I just, I'm going to do this because I just saw this in the movie God's Not Dead. God is good. And all the time. Let's do that one more time. God is good. And all the time. All right. We got a, que- a question now. How many of you have seen God's Not Dead? Ooh, uh oh. Oh boy. In the newsletter, I believe we were instructed by a certain man by the name of Father Jose who said everyone should see that. So, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, I won't tell him. If you don't tell him any bad things that I do today. Okay? Deal? Okay. No, it, it's actually, it's a very good movie. I was, I was, uh, thought it would be, would be good. I w- I've been wanting to see it and uh, help me as I got ready for today. And I commend it to all of you like Father Jose. It's a very, very good film. Um, and uh, thankful that Kevin Sorbo put that thing together. No, I mean, that was, he was the one who had that made and, you know, was the uh, actor, lead actor in the movie. So, so very good. But that was something that a, uh, two, uh, a priest and a missionary would say to each other all the time. So it didn't just come from nowhere. Um, before I get started, today you know, is Sunday, but it's also the Sunday before Memorial Day. So I would like to just say a Memorial Day, Memorial Day prayer uh, that I found on the Internet, and I edited a little bit. So let us pray as we remember those men and women who have served you know, our nation and, and other nations in, in the cause of, uh, of freedom. We remember, dear Lord, and pray for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms we enjoy every day. We pray for those who have died in battle defending our nation. Please hold our servicemen and women in your strong arms. Cover them with your sheltering grace and your presence as they stand in the gap for our protection. We also remember the families of our troops. We ask for your unique blessings to fill their homes, and we pray your peace, provision, and strength will fill their lives. May the members of our armed forces be supplied with courage to face each day, and may they trust in the Lord's mighty power to accomplish each task. Let our military brothers and sisters feel our love and support. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, I have to just ask because I'm sure there's a a few people who don't know who this man is. LeBron James. Does anybody not know who LeBron James is? Well, in case you don't, he is the best basketball player in the world. And, uh, oh, he is. <laughs> 34-year-old Kobe. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. So, at the 8 o'clock, I didn't have to worry about that. You know, they were, they were still waking up. Oh, and they were trying to wake me up. Um, but, no, LeBron James... He plays for the Miami Heat, and he's won two titles, and he may be on his way to winning a third. Uh, with the Heat, he's the best basketball player right now. 
and one of the greats of all time, like Kobe Bryant. I'll give it, he is a fantastic player too. So, a lot of people want to follow LeBron James and what he's doing. They're interested. He's interviewed a lot. And, you know, even if you can't get him on TV, for some of you, man, many of you may not know, you can learn a lot about LeBron James through the Samsung LeBron application for your mobile phone. This is true. So if you want to learn what King James, and that's what they, that's what they call him, um, what he's eating for breakfast and maybe some breakfast choices that he might have for you, or you know his clothing selections, and um, I certainly could use some help with my, uh, my wardrobe a bit. I'm sure I could benefit from the Samsung LeBron app for my mobile phone. Or if you want to see his family photos or other things, you get this app because there are people that are interested in these things. Sorry, I didn't do all my research. I don't know how many of these things were sold. It's only been out for another last month or two. Then there's a thing called Twitter, something I probably know even less about. But Twitter, any, any one of us, and I know there are probably some people in here who have people following them, but... This, there are celebrities. And did you know that uh, the, peop, the 20 people have the most people following them on Twitter and what they have to say have 600 million followers approximately? No, I'm serious. Total. So there's a top 20. And I really got scared because when I began this thing, at number 20 was Adele. I think she's a singer. She has 18, over 18 million followers. And then at number 19 was Kim Kardashian. And I'm just going, oh my gosh, don't tell me she's the most followed person. I don't really know what she does. But uh, <laughs> then, you know, we're going to move on. Then I moved down the ladder to number six at 34 million. I, I didn't really know that she was still that much on the scene. Britney Spears. I'm not making that up. 34 million. And then I was relieved at number three because there are 39, 39 million followers of President Barack Obama. So, all right, at least. But then we had number two, Lady Gaga. 40 million people. Maybe there's one in here. Maybe I follow Lady Gaga, but you are not going to know that. If I did. And then number one. Number one. Can you guess who the most followed person is on Twitter? With 46 million people hanging on every tweet of this tweet. Um, anybody? Justin Bieber. Who said that? Uh, let's see. I'll give you my sermon. Then we're done and we'll move on. No. Cindy, all right. He's not even you. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a worldwide thing. So, people are interested in famous people, people of celebrity. But there's another famous person that has many, many, many more followers than all this top 20 combined. And, and you don't even need technology to follow him. And he's available all day, every day, whenever you need him. And what's his name? Jesus. Jesus Christ, yes. Amen. Jesus Christ is his name. And John 
chapter 15, our gospel tells us more about what it is to follow Jesus and how we are to get as close as possible to Jesus as possible. And before I move into the, as I start into the passage, I just, and I'm going to touch upon verses 9 to 17, so I'm going to extend our reading on to the first 17 verses. I just would like to present a few summaries of some scholarly Bible commentators that, that I consulted in getting ready for this message. And this is how you know, they would summarize the passage or how I took what they said to summarize. The first one, Craig Keener, he writes that Jesus reminds his disciples to continue or dwell in him like branches dependent for their life on the vine to which they're attached. The disciples' fruit will be love, and they could do nothing and produce no fruit genuinely pleasing to God by themselves. Then there's another commentator who says, Jesus uses a symbol of the vine to stress the importance of fruitfulness in the Christian life that results from abiding in Christ and having an intimate relationship with Christ and not from human achievement. And then a third, Gary Burge, he writes, Jesus charges his disciples to remain vitally attached to him so that they may produce the fruit born of love and obedience to sustain a general, genuine spiritual life in the world. Believers must remain intimately attached to Christ. And then finally, Rodney Whitaker writes, says, that Jesus tells His disciples who are already following Him to remain in Him in an intimate union. The disciples' very life depends on this union as branches. Believers either bear fruit and are pruned to bear more fruit or do not bear fruit and are thrown away and burned. I think we hear some constant themes and some of the songs that we sang and especially that last one, Abide in Me, Remain in me, stay with me. That word, that Greek word, and I think it's used, it's used 10 to 15 times in these, uh, the 17, first 17 verses of John chapter 15. Stay where you are, live, dwell, lodge. This is kind of what that word is talking about. I'm probably just going to say abide as we Go, go further. I, I don't use that word very often in, in my daily life, so I, I think it's uh, important to kind of know some of the different you know, meanings of it. So abide. Be vitally attached to Christ. And then there's this fruit, fruitfulness. A fruitful life. And the fruitful life is a life that flows from God and that produces fruit for God and fruit that God would find pleasing. There's other fruit, but it may not necessarily be fruit that's, that's pleasing to God. And Jesus takes an image and, and symbol that was very important in ancient times, and that's a vine. And a vine produces grapes, and it was one of the most important Plants and, and a vine would generally lie on the ground and wrap itself around a tree, or, or we would or the uh, the people tending the vineyard would wrap it around a tree. And in the Old Testament, Israel is referred to as the vine in God's vineyard. And Israel, the vine, was God's covenant people. He chose them, 
and he planted and he took care of Israel, his vine, so that Israel could produce fruit. But unfortunately, every Old Testament passage that we read that speaks of Israel as the vine doesn't speak positively of Israel. And and in fact, Israel is being chastised for being faith, for a faithlessness to God and for not bearing fruit for God as God expected. And one such uh, passage in Scripture is the Vineyard Song in Isaiah chapter 5. And this passage is what provides the background for John chapter 15. And in Isaiah 5, verses 1 to 7, Israel is de- or, or God is depicted as spading, as uh, clearing, planting, and taking care of the vineyard, only to be rewarded with sour grapes. And I want to read the, seven, the first seven verses of, of chapter 5, and if you would like, you can follow along in your Bible or a pew Bible, and it's the parable of the vineyard. And Isaiah writes, Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it all around, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the middle of it and also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? So now let me tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it will be consumed. I will break down its wall and it will become trampled ground. I will lay it waste. It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. I will also charge the clouds to rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. Israel had failed God in being a light for the Gentiles to bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth. As Isaiah writes in the 49th chapter and the 6th verse. So God destroyed His vineyard, Israel. He destroyed the land that they were on. Isaiah writes 20 or so years after the Israel, the northern kingdom. We had 12 tribes of Israel. In 722 B.C., the Assyrian Empire wiped out the 10 tribes of the north with Israel being you know, the capital, and the people were sent in exile away from the land. And then Isaiah is also continuing to prophesy because in 587 B.C., the southern kingdom, Judah, was also destroyed and the people were exiled out of the land. That's what's going on here. And as we get to John chapter 15, that's why Jesus begins this gospel by saying that he is, I am the true vine. And he's saying, by being the true vine, Jesus, I have taken the place 
of Israel. Israel was the vine that God had planted in the promised land, but it is now replaced by Jesus, the true vine. Because we know back in our Old Testament in Exodus how God had saved the people of Israel out of Egypt, swallowed the Egyptians up in the Red Sea, and then 40 years after that took them in to their promised land. But that land was gone. And the people of Israel, they were the chosen people And by being in that promised land and and having that relationship with God, they thought that's what they needed to be connected with God and to have salvation. But what Jesus is saying now that uh, being associated with a land or a territory isn't what connects you with God or just being the member of a certain race. What connects you to God is a person and that person is Jesus the Messiah, Son of God. And Jesus, by being the true vine, is the one vine. God's vineyard has one vine now. It's Jesus. And if Israel or any other people want to be attached to God, they must be attached to Jesus. For us today, we must attach ourselves to Jesus. Not just the church. The church is Related to Jesus, the church is the body of Christ, but the church does not always reflect Jesus. And just because you belong to church does not mean that, and go to church does not mean that you belong to Jesus. It's all about abiding in Jesus, remaining in Jesus, having an intimate relationship with Jesus. So I want to just continue and just briefly look at a few, uh, the passage just very briefly. You know, as we begin, Jesus is the true vine and his father is the vine dresser, the gardener, the farmer, the one who tends the vineyard. As we said, Jesus is the one vine and then every branch. There are branches. There are many, many branches. And those branches are you and me and people everywhere. And Jesus goes on to say that the branches that bear no fruit represent people who are not really connected to and in any kind of relationship with Jesus, regardless of of what they think or what they, they call themselves. Because the fruit, the fruit's not what connects you to Jesus. You don't just go out, I, I produce all this fruit. It's your faith in Jesus. But when you have a, a faith in Jesus and you are connected to Jesus, you are going to produce fruit that pleases God, that reflects Christ. And so God removes those branches from the vine that don't bear any fruit. It's like, I mean, and those, those things are kind of withering. It looks like some of the plants that, that, that I take care of because I'm not a very good uh, gardener. You know, they're, they're just, they're ready, they shrivel up, and, you know, they're just not very... They're not very fruitful. But then there's also, Jesus speaks about there are branches that produce fruit. And God doesn't just leave that fruit, those branches alone. He prunes those branches. Because I don't know about you, but there's, there's a lot of junk in my life that needs to be pruned. There's 50 plus years of junk that needs to be produced. And, and I keep... 
you know, I, I don't want to bring it, but it's, it's there. <laughs> you know, it, it just is. And so he's got to prune us. We may not always like it, but it's necessary so that we can produce more fruit. And we're told that persons bearing fruit are abiding in Jesus. And then the great thing is that Jesus also says he's abiding in them. It's kind of a, it's a two, it's a two-way relationship. And, and really this picture of abiding, I, I think for me the, the best way I can picture it, and it's, it's, it's far incomplete, is the closest human relationships that we have whether it be a husband and a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, mother mother and uh, daughter, son, father, those type of relationships. It can be close friends because there are, close, there are friendships that, that we may have that are closer than any other family relationship we have. And it's, it's like, you know, just imagine the closest relationship that you have with a person. You'll do... You love that person very much and you'll do many things. And hopefully, you'll sacrifice yourself. Or as Jesus said, you will, you will give up of yourself, perhaps even be prepared to die for, your, for, your, uh, for this other person. Because Jesus says, that's, and we know that's what he did. He died for us. His love was so strong that he, that he loved us like that. And those close relationships we have, there's communication. You, 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 you know the other person deeply. You Sometimes you know what they're going to say and do. And you may, and even those relationships at the highest level, you, know, you sense, you know, you do. You sense when things aren't right with a person. You may call them, you know, hug them, do something for them at, at, at the appropriate times. And then also, because we're human, we let people that are closest to us down. And we get let down. But that relationship is so important, we will do what it takes for any restoration that's needed. And that's what Jesus did for us because our relationship with God was torn. And it needed to be put by our sin. And it needed to be put back together. And our sin needed to be dealt with so that we could be restored to right relationship with God. And then... Jesus goes on to say that um, that this this fruit that we produce it, it only comes from abiding in Jesus. It's not anything that we can do on our own. And, and he says that apart from Him, we can do nothing. Just like He said, He He didn't do anything without His Father. He did His Father's will. He He was connected to His Father. So it. And he didn't do anything on his own. It was what the Father wanted done and and being in communion with his Father. And one of those ways that, and one of the most important things for us to abide in him is to keep his commandments. And when we do, and he says, if we keep Jesus' commandments, we will abide in the love of Jesus. And we'll also be filled with the joy that Jesus has gives to us. So it's not just these do's and don'ts and to, to limit us, but it's to free us to experience the joy of Christ, the joy that persists in spite of what we may have to go through in our life. The worst health 
problems, diseases, sickness that we can go to, uh, loss of human relationships, death of loved ones, our own impending death. There is an underlying joy that can remain with, within us deep down when Jesus abides in us and when we abide in Him. And then at the end of the, in verse 16, not only are we to abide in Him and then Jesus will abide in us and obey His commandments, Jesus tells us, I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. So we don't just abide in Him and then just kind of keep it there. We stay there in His love and in Him, but we are to go out and we are to share that. We are to cultivate that you know, in ourselves because there's... I'll just, I'll just speak of like kind of two main aspects of this abiding. One is, is that, that inner life with Christ, our spiritual disciplines, those things that bring us closer to God. And then there is our going out and doing, our going out and telling people about Jesus, you know, that He is the Lord and Savior of the world. And then also those acts of justice and those acts of mercy and kindness the things that Jesus did, because we know from the Gospels. Jesus preached the Gospel, and He preached it in, in word, and He also preached it in deed. He healed people as well. And He sent His disciples out uh, to do the same. So, first, you know, our inner spiritual qualities. I think the Apostle Paul kind of gives us a good list of fruit, and it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that he speaks about in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. And he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things that when we abide in Christ, we can, we can produce, more and more of those can be produced in our life, it's, it's what defines our character. Our Christian, our character hopefully is marked by these, this fruit of the Holy Spirit and looks like Christ. Because these are qualities that, that Jesus had. He had all of these and He had so many more and He had them perfectly. We can't have those perfectly, but as we walk and as we grow in Christ and He pours our love in us, we can display more and more of these things. And it's what allows us and helps us to love others as Jesus loved us. And also, let's not forget, which I, which I, I did, the love of God. And then there's also one of our songs talked about knowing you. There is a knowledge of God. And we can have that because Jesus has re- reveals who God is. He says it in these verse in these 17 verses and he said it it was said by John at the beginning of John's gospel. No one has seen God the Father but Jesus who has reveals him. He is our greatest revelation and we're left with the revelation that we have in this amazing in this amazing holy bible that we have and that's also how 
we grow more and more Christ-like, how we abide in Jesus when we read this Word, when we study this Word, when we meditate on this Word, when we pray, and then also when we fast. And the fasting done you know, with, with prayer. And there are other spiritual disciplines. We can go away I mean, and do these things on a, on a time away in retreat, whether it be out in some place by yourself, you know, in your backyard, out in the park for one hour, two hours, a day, a weekend. Or you could just get alone and quiet with God. Because like your closest human relationship, those relationships don't grow if you don't spend time with them. And it also shows how much you value those relationships. And, and there is no more important relationship than our relationship with God. But we can't just stop we want to keep, that's a lifelong pursuit, the spiritual disciplines, growing closer to God. But we also, God wants us to go out and, and do things, just like He wanted His people, uh, Israel, to go out and do things. And I'm going to read a couple more passages from Isaiah. And verse 56, I'm sorry, chapter 56, verse 1. That says the Lord, Preserve justice and do righteousness. My salvation is about to come and my righteousness is to be revealed. Justice and righteousness are important things to God and to Jesus. They were then and they are now. And those are some of the things that, that we are to go out and to promote and to, to continue on with that. If we think that just, you know, I can just stay in my inner life with Christ and just get alone and, and that's all that I have to do, I think God gives us... A, tells us something differently in Isaiah chapter 58 and it's the chapter that's in or the, the section about observances of fast there are human there were fasts that the people of Israel and the religious leaders performed and then there was God's fast and I'm going to start with verse 5 as God is asking Israel is the fast which you're doing like this the one that I choose a day for a man to hum, to humble himself is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day of the Lord? No. Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and He will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And remember, this is spoken to a people that are in exile. They're out of their, their land. Israel, Judah, all the 12 tribes. The land, the promised land, they're not in it right now. They're spread all throughout. That's 
who God is, is the message who's God speaking to. And as we know, this message is for us today. So while we, and it's all about, you know, abiding in the vine, I'm not taking away from that. That's not all that we are called to do. We need to go out because people are hungry. They're hungry for Jesus. They're also hungry for some for food. And we need to be about that too. Because in bringing the material, we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and people can see Jesus in us and be drawn to that. And we don't know the condition of people that may have these needs. And then we have our, our family, friends, loved ones have, have needs. That is also what we are to go out and to do because it's a gospel of word and deed. It's a gospel of being and doing as much as we're able to do. And if some of us have done a lot in our past lives and we may only be able to pray, there's nothing more important than praying. Everyone can do that so that the church... The people of God in this place and uh, you know, outside of this place and other churches can be mobilized to meet the physical and the spiritual needs of a lost and hurting world. That is, is our call. And we can only fulfill that call when we abide in the vine. Because it's not us. The two are connected. It's not us doing it in our own strength for our own reasons, for our own purposes. It's acts of love, of mercy, of kindness, without looking for anything in return. That's why we do it, because that's what our Lord did. There isn't anything that we could give back to Him, really. He had it all. But He came down, humbled Himself to become a human like you and me, and to die the death of a criminal, the most humiliating death on a cross. Because we were incapable of reconciling ourselves to God. And He has poured His love, His life into us so that we can live with Him now and forever and so that we can share that life that Christ gives us, that love that Christ gives us to all of those whom we come into contact with. And that is our call to abide and to remain in Jesus and to produce the fruit that pleases God and shows the living God to the world. Amen.